Hello, and welcome to Shut Up and Jimmer, a very special off-season episode. It's been a while since we talked to you. A lot's happened in the in the intervening months. I'm Steve Pierce, as always, your host, and joined, as always, with my co-host, the inimitable Robert F. McCombs the 14th. Robert, how are you this fine, fine evening? Doing good, Steve. It's It's been a few months since we've talked. Um, I mean, just kind of a crazy off-season. I mean, obviously for basketball, but just life in general, just if you with the with coronavirus going on and everything, uh, I've been working from home for a few months uh, with Amazon. I'm probably going to work from home through the end of the year, but staying healthy and everything. How, how are you holding up back east in DC? You know, it's uh, it's been you know this. Everyone's dealing with this thing kind of the same the same kind of way. I am also working from home, uh, spending an awful lot of time with my family, which is very very good. But also, you know, it's just the same people every day, and you you love them. But it's a little bit of a challenge sometimes, and you know, you feel a little cooped up. But uh, you know, happy and and healthy, uh, and you know, you really can't ask for for more. And what we what we could have asked for as BYU fans was that. You know the NCAA play the play March Madness, play the NCAA tournament, allow last year's Cougar team to get you know a little uh, a, a little resolution, a little satisfaction to see that see what they could have done in March. But alas, the virus had had other uh, had other plans, and and we didn't get to see that. So that was very sad. And I, I think I'm still recovering, Robbie. Yeah, I think I'm still recovering too. I don't know if I'll ever fully get over this. 2019 2020 never having a shot to make a deep run at a tournament i mean it's always what ifs but i think we'll always look back as this one of the biggest what ifs in boe basketball history i mean i don't think it's quite the 2010 20 or 2010 2011 season when brandon davies got suspended but i mean this team i mean the best three-point shooting team in the country all these seniors um all-time greats at byu i think we'll always look at back at the season wonder what if and miss this season but at the same time, I think, I mean, Mark Pope and his staff got things rolling right now. I think there's a lot of things to look forward to this season. I mean, after the season ended, a lot of what ifs, obviously a lot of seniors to replace, and there's still a lot of what ifs going into the next season. But just with Mark Pope and his staff has done, it's, I don't think I've ever remembered, Steve, I mean, I'm young, I'm only 28 years old. I don't think you're that much older, but I think this is really the first year of my life I can remember that there's been more hype around BYU basketball than BYU football during the summer months. I mean, even after Jimmer's junior year, I mean, Jimmer Mania wasn't in effect then by any means. I mean, but Jimmer was coming off a really good season. He, I remember he was toying whether or not he should go to the NBA draft. He was pegged possibly as a late first round pick. BYU had just coming off uh, a tournament went over Florida at the first win, I think, over in over, I think, 23 years at that point, the NCAA tournament. But still, I mean, BYU, BYU football was still king in 2010. I mean, Max Hall, BYU just beat Utah, which was the last time BYU beat Utah. Jake Keeps was coming into the program. So their football was definitely more excitement then. So I, I think this is really the first time it's pretty unprecedented at least in, since Lavelle Edwards started coaching BYU football, that BYU basketball is kind of stealing the headlines this offseason, which, I mean, I'm kind of even basketball football fan. I know you're definitely solidly on the hoops train, Steve, but it's been a very unique offseason. It's really cool to see the hype surrounding the basketball team and Mark Pope. Yeah, and Pope and his staff, they have they have not slowed down this summer. They have not paused to, you know, feel sorry for themselves and wonder, you know, what if we would have gotten the chance to go to the tournament? They've just been full speed ahead and they've had a real active summer and that's what we're here to talk about uh today. We're going to talk about 
some of the new faces uh, that are going to be gracing the BYU basketball roster next season, as long as there is a next season, break down that roster uh, by position as, as as it is now locked, and we know what the team will look like. There's not going to be, as far as we know, any other comings and goings. And then just our general outlook uh, on the season based on on what we know right now here in, in about to turn the calendar uh, to July. So let's start with the new faces. There's been a lot of excitement. Mark Pope has kind of built a second, you know, vacation home in the transfer portal uh, this offseason. Lots of activity uh, from the coaching staff. Some of it, uh, some of it bore some really great fruit. There was a lot of stuff that didn't didn't end up panning out, but that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But let's talk about. Uh, the three new faces that we're going to have uh, on this team, obviously there's going to be a lot of folks who redshirted last year, transferred last year, and had to sit out for a year, but let's just talk about the three big gets uh, that Mark Pope got this summer, starting with the most recent one uh, that was announced just a few days ago, uh, Caleb Lohner, who is not you know, a true transfer. He's a, he's an incoming true freshman, uh, just graduated from high school at Wasatch Academy, had committed to Utah, uh, and decommitted, uh, actually got out of his national letter of intent with a whole lot of drama, which I'm sure a lot of people know about, or know the backstory on. Robbie and I have reported on this extensively, written about this whole saga extensively. We don't need to reheat it all here, but uh, you know, just a very solid player who's got four years ahead of him at BYU, not going on a mission as far as we know right now. So gonna have four straight years of eligibility, Robbie. Uh, what do you, what do you look, what's your outlook for, for Caleb Lohner in blue? Yeah, Caleb Lohner, he's someone around whom BYU can build its program around for years. I mean, his freshman year this next season, I mean, I don't think anyone expects him to be the guy. But I think even starting with the sophomore and beyond, he could be a guy around whom BYU could build for a long time. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's just his career starting off such an interesting path with the rivalry dynamic, obviously, in play. He committed to... Utah initially back in August 2019, officially signed there in November 2019. And obviously the whole Sega is, is Larry Kristoviak and Mark Harling, Harling going to release him or not from the National Letter of Intent. They ultimately did, which as we heard was probably uh, Mark Har- Harlan, uh, Larry K's boss, um, kind of gave the final okay on that. But regardless, yeah, Caleb Lohner, I mean, the first thing that sticks about him, sticks out about him is just his his size as someone that's 17, 18 years old. I mean, he already has a college body. He's six foot eight, six foot nine in shoes and 230 pounds, just rock solid. So, I mean, when I was looking at this roster, I mean, after BYU added Matt Harms, Brandon Averett, you kind of look at the roster and like, man, BYU is really lacking length out on the perimeter. And Alex Barcella is really good. Brandon Averett, they're both really good guards. Even Connor Harding. Connor Harding really was the only wing piece that had any length be add Caleb Lohner to that he's a guy that I think played the two through four positions with his, his versatility I mean, he's a knockdown shooter incredible shooter he can deliver off the bounce and with his size at six foot eight he could guard a lot of different positions which in today's game of basketball you really want that versatility someone to, to go inside someone that could guard outside someone that could on both ends of the floor do that so it's me that's exciting. I mean, these transfers, these grad transfers are really exciting. They'll probably have a bigger impact next season. But if you look at not just next season, which I think Caleb Lohner, I think he could eventually start next season. I think he has that type of potential. But just with his outlook for four years that BYU could have him, he's he's going to be a program foundational piece. I mean, I really like an outside of just basketball, the X's and O's, the tangibles he's bringing 
I mean, he's he's not a cookie cutter BYU athlete by any means. I mean, he's he's LDS. He grew up LDS. His dad played basketball at BYU in the mid '90s. He was a walk on, lightly used, but he does come up from a legacy BYU family. But just Caleb Lohner's attitude. I mean, he's really an alpha dog, and he's. I mean, he has he has a bunch of leg tattoos on his right leg. I mean, you can't really see it with the way his uh, pants go. But I mean, he's just a guy. He's he's going to be super fiery. And one thing I kind of I think his personality could be like, I don't want to take this the wrong way. I think, I mean, it could be a bad way too. I think I kind of see his personality, like his fire as a Nick Emery type. And obviously Nick Emery, that did not end well at all. But you got good Nick Emery's freshman year. Nick Emery is dropping 37 points um, at San Francisco. Nick Emery is lone peak, was not afraid of anybody, but we saw how that ended. So, I mean, with the Nick Emery situation at Utah hitting, um, like, wherever the Utah's guard name in the face and just obviously things do not end well for Nick Emery. But I think Caleb Lohner, he just has just type of swagger about him and he's going to be very different type of BYU player, very alpha type of BYU player. And I think those are the type of players BYU needs. And he's the type of leader that could really take this BYU program to where Mark Pope envisions it. Totally agree. I think he's very much, despite, you know, like you said, having the most kind of on paper traditional LDS BYU background, I think his mentality is just different than a lot of guys that BYU has had. I think he's a free spirit for sure. Uh, he's a hard, hard worker. That dude has motor, uh, just really not afraid to get in the gym and work hard. And I think he's, you know, I think he does. I like the Nick Emery comparison in terms of, you know, just kind of on court mentality. The dude is not afraid of of anybody. Um, and I think that's that's he's and he's played against the best. Right. He he went to Wasatch Academy, one of the best prep programs uh, in the country, really been built into a powerhouse by Dave Evans over these last few years. Um And he they played a national schedule. He played against the best players in the country. And, you know, they had four guys of that of that team uh that all averaged roughly 14 points a game uh just really balanced scoring attack he was one of those four guys another one was richie saunders who's a, another byu commit in this class who's going to go on a mission first um so this this dude is just really good and you mentioned the size the i was talking to someone close to a source close to the program uh, a couple days ago after they kind of finally got him in, there was a whole you know process of getting him moved over and getting him enrolled. But once they finally got him in and measured him up, they were just raving about you know his size and his, just how physically ready he is for D1 college basketball as a freshman, which is you know very rare. Uh, he's the dude is just huge. Got legs like tree trunks. It's pretty incredible and you know just the athleticism got a 40 inch vertical leap on top of being 6'8 230 like just and can handle the ball and I think maybe the most important thing for fitting into a Mark Pope offense he has got a beautiful jump shot he thought I think he shot 36 percent from three at Wasatch last year um just a picture perfect release uh and is really going to be you know he's versatile like you said and you you were speaking primarily to his defensive versatility but offensively he's he's great he's played in a lot of different uh kind of in a lot of different spots over the course of his high school career he can obviously space the floor with his jump shooting uh he's been known to post up particularly on smaller guys which could be a huge mismatch advantage if he's playing playing a three for example and he gets a little bit of a smaller three particularly when you get in a west coast conference play on him he can take guys down in the post and bully him with his with just his his strength um and then also just handling the ball well enough at that size to be able to get by guys and get to the basket and finish in traffic. Uh, I think he's, he's just a really complete player about as complete as I think you can get in high school. I feel like 
he's kind of been undersold. I mean, maybe not to BYU fans who've been kind of watching him for years, but I feel like his last year at Wasatch, kind of the, the for whatever reason, national kind of transfer, not transfer, national recruiting analysts, like the bloom came off the rose with them and Caleb Lohner for some reason. His junior year, I think he peaked at 33rd nationally as the 33rd ranked prospect uh, in the 24-7 composite rankings. And then when he went to Wasatch over his senior season, he had like this bizarre slide, like down to 175. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because he was playing on a team and wasn't getting as many touches with, you know, a lot of other talented guys around. But he just, uh, for whatever reason, he went on this bizarre slide. And so you see all these headlines about, you know, Caleb Lohner, three-star, chooses BYU. This is a legit, he's a legit four-star prospect. He's a legit top 50 prospect, super talented. And like you said, a piece that BYU will be building around for the future. And it'll be really interesting to see what his role is this year. The thing that I would hope for Caleb, if I was whispering in his ear, which I am not, but if I was and I had his ear and had some influence with him, I would tell him that the spot he should be looking to fill on this team as a freshman, and we'll talk a little bit more, this team is super, super deep. Lots of guys who think they're going to get minutes. It's going to be a battle for every minute you get. Uh, the, 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 role that this team hasn't filled yet is kind of that that grinder role that Dalton Nixon Zach Selyus role that they're vacating after graduating of just the guy who is going to play really hard he's going to set screens he's going to dive to the basket he's going to get rebounds he's going to defend defend his face off on every possession uh they need that guy. I don't know who that guy is. Caleb Lohner as a freshman is built to be that guy. This is kind of the role that got Kyle Collinsworth on the floor as a freshman on that 2010-2011 team. He he obviously went on to become a BYU legend and all the triple doubles, and we know what he did, and he was the man for three years. Uh, but that freshman year, he was he was a grinder. He just, he just played hard and rebounded, and that got him minutes. That can be the type of model, in my mind, that Caleb Lohner could follow uh, as a freshman to get on the floor, even with all this competition for minutes. Yeah, I think the Kyle Collinsworth freshman comparison is is really apt because Kyle, I mean, I think it's a little different because because Kyle Collinsworth isn't the um, shooter that, that Caleb Lohner is, but I don't think Caleb Lohner is the passer that Kyle Collinsworth eventually became. But I think, yeah, Kyle Collinsworth just came in his freshman year, um, really started starting at the end of the year. He, and by the floor, in the NCAA tournament, he was BYU's power forward, racking up double-digit rebounds. So I think, I think it's hard for true freshmen to really embrace that role because – I mean, Caleb Lohner, I guess he wasn't necessarily the guy at Wasatch. He had so many guys around him, but most like a guy like, and he was, he was always the guy growing up and when he grew up in Dallas, uh, just growing up. So I think that's hard for a lot of true freshmen to really embrace that secondary role. But I agree just with the body he has, he could totally fill that. And I think this year, I, I think his role is really out in the wing on the perimeter as the three. But I think, I mean, if, if you're talking about NBA potential and just future, just the way basketball is going, I think sophomore, junior, and beyond, I think his role is going to be kind of that four man. Just, he, I mean, he's 6'8", 230, and just his ability to stretch the floor with the strength he has, he could guard guys down low. I think long-term, he's going to be a four, but I think this year, just, there's so many bodies down low. I think he really has to entrench himself at that three because, I mean, the guys he's competing with, I think Connor Harding, I think we're both super high in Connor Harding. I think Connor Harding has kind of got lost all in this offseason. I mean, obviously, super excited about all the new guys coming in, but Connor Harding, I mean – took a big jump last year. He was 
excellent three-point shooter. Probably he was BYU's most versatile defender. I mean, he was locking down Malik Fitz at the Marriott Center, who was uh, who's a fringe NBA guy. He could lock. He was locking down Jordan Ford on the perimeter. So I, I think. I think Connor Harding at this point is, is a better player than Caleb Lerner. Caleb Lerner's got to compete with him if he wants to be a starter and for minutes. But I think Caleb's spot is really going to be that three-man guy that can hit out in threes. And if, like he said, if he could really embrace kind of that Colin Collinsworth role in this year, that even be a, a little – I mean, I don't think you can be what Zach Silius and Dalton Nixon were this year. I mean, those guys were seniors. Those guys gave everything to the program. But if you could kind of embrace that role kind of as the glue guy, that hustle guy, and with the shooting and physicality, I think that's really where he – where he fits in this upcoming season. Yeah, I think that's totally right. And I think, you know, it will, time will tell if the hill, if he's ready to embrace that role, if he's able as a freshman to step into that role. All I know is the, the, he is just the highest quality putty that you can mold. Just, just raw, uh, just the type of kid you want in your program as a freshman and get to have four years with. And I know from talking to folks around the program, the coaches are so excited to be able to coach this kid and see what they can do with him uh, over the next four years. And speaking of people who you know won't have the next four years, who need to have you know a more immediate impact, let's talk about the two graduate transfers that Mark Pope was able to land this summer. Starting with the first one, who kind of really kicked off the summer with a with a big bang, uh, the big man from Purdue, Matt Harms, uh, which kind of he was the number one grad transfer on the board according to a lot of. Uh, a lot of college basketball analysts nationally, and there was a lot of competition for his services. And ultimately, it came down to BYU beating out the likes of Kentucky, John Kyle Perry, and reigning, still reigning after two years because of no tournament, reigning national runner-ups, Texas Tech and Chris Beard, two of the best recruiters, best coaches in the in the in the college all of college basketball and mark pope comes away with the number one grad transfer uh on the board in matt harms well how do you see him uh fitting into this team and making an immediate impact in his only year in provo yeah it's interesting in harms it's already been two and a half months since BYU got him because he was at the very beginning of the transfer cycle i think if i could just rewind real quick i think i remember when matt harms kind of BYU kind of got in the conversation he entered the transfer portal and then it, BYU was initially in his top 10 Initially in his top 10, I think everyone's like, oh, cool. Yeah, BYU made the top 10. That's nice. BYU, you know, is in the hunt for BYU is at least mentioned as a uh, in, in the hunt for a top prospect. But I don't think anyone thought BYU had a realistic chance. And then BYU is in the top three. And you're kind of thinking, wow, Mark Pope is like really making an impression on these high recruits. But at that point, you're like, BYU is in the top three. But I mean, come on, Kentucky, Chris Beard, Texas Tech. I mean, it's an honor BYU got this far, but it's not going to happen. And then the night before, it's news started breaking that. Matt Harms is going to go to BYU despite Texas, despite John Calipari doing everything he can to get Matt Harms. And you're like, holy crap, Matt, Mark Pope just got Matt Harms, the top grad transfer in the country over John Calipari. So I think at that point, to, I think that was really the, the wake up call to BYU fans and to national media that, okay, Mark Pope is for real. Like, I mean, Mark Pope and this coaching staff, they're here to make BYU a national power. So I think even like Matt Harms, not only I think the impact he's, he's going to have is going to be really good. But I think overall, I think the bigger signal is that that he gave is that Mark Pope put, is putting BYU on the national map. We saw that with all the transfers and BYU's in, in it from Mac McClung, the top Georgetown transfer, and a, and a host of other transfers. But as far as Matt Harms' potential on the floor, I think Matt Harms, as far as the newcomers, is going to have the biggest poten- biggest impact. His impact isn't going to be so much on the offensive end. I mean, he's not a guy 
that BYU is going to throw it down to down low. He's not going to guy that's going to post up and get 15 points a game. Um, I mean, he's offensively, he's versatile. He could go out and hit the three, which was, uh, I think, where ultimately brought him to BYU. Mark Pope said, hey, you're a modern big man. We could put you inside, but we'll also let you go roam around the outside. And I think Mark Pope really sold him on that, and that's what brought him to BYU. So offensively, which... It's not going to be quite as big of an impact he's going to have. He's going to, you're going to see him shooting threes on the outside. You're going to see him. I mean, he's seven foot three, so obviously you could put him on the block. It's going to have an impact there. But I think we could both agree his biggest impact is going to be on the defensive end. I mean, he's seven foot three. He's arguably the best rim protector in college basketball. He averaged two blocks a game. I mean, just especially in the West Coast Conference, like he's going to have such a huge impact defensively. Like we're going to see a stark difference when Matt Harms defensively. We're going to see a stark difference when Matt Harms is on the floor versus when he's off the floor. I mean, he's a guy that I mean, BYU is going to funnel guys down to him. I mean, and to try to so guys have to try to shoot over him. I mean, he's a total game changer defensively, just with what he could do, the things BYU could do on defense. I mean, this length, I think he, you could play him at the four with and stretches with Richard Harwood at the five, who's a much more physical big. Just defensively, I mean, he's going to carve up like the West Coast Conference with everything he's going to do. I'm excited to see what he does in non-conference against these bigger teams. Because, I mean, BYU hasn't had a guy like Matt Harms since, since Sean Bradley um, 12, 25 years ago. So, I mean, his offensive impact, I think, is going to be solid, but we're really going to see it. And we've never seen a player in over 25 years of BYU basketball. It's just that he's going to have a, a huge impact on the defensive end. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, you know, you, you, you kind of sung his praises in terms of the shot blocking. I, I, you know, the comparison to Sean Bradley is interesting because, you know, simply just because of the size. But Sean Bradley did not have the capability to move like Matt Harms can move. I mean, this is a, this is a different era, obviously. And we expect so much more out of big men. We expect them to be mobile. We expect them to be able to go out and switch uh, and, and, and guard on balls and guard ball screens and, and, and at least, you know, stay in front of guards until until the, the man can switch back and even, you know, switch straight across ball screens, uh, which BYU does sometimes. It'll be really interesting to see how they deploy Matt Harms defensively. I think the biggest thing about Harms, uh, which is a really good fit for BYU, is, you know, especially a high-profile transfer like him. A lot of times those guys come in, uh, they're they're looking to have their number called. I think that Matt Harms is, is just, because of the type of player he is, he's not the guy that you need to call a lot of plays for. That's not how he got his points at Purdue. He was always a guy who was getting points uh, just kind of off the movement of the offense, uh, hustle plays around the basket, uh, tip-ins, stuff like that. And then, you know, just just within the flow of the offense, I think that will be really good for him. I think you'll see them uh, play him in kind of that uh, perimeter five and that perimeter oriented five role that Yoli played in small lineups last year, where they're kind of bringing him out to set screens, uh, on the perimeter for ball handlers in their kind of, uh, their dribble handoff motion set that they run. And then either popping to the perimeter because he does have that three point ability or diving, uh, through the paint to look to catch passes, uh, and kind of get towards the rim. Uh, where he's shown to have pretty decent touch. So I think there's a lot of things they can do with Matt Harms. Uh, I think, you know, they're excited, obviously, to have him there. A really experienced player, been deep in the tournament before, wants to prove uh, that he can do that again and wants to prove himself to NBA scouts. I think he thinks Mark Pope is the guy to help him do that. Um, and so we'll see. I think it'll be, I think he'll have a lot of a real instant impact on both sides of the ball. Obviously, you know, they need to get him on campus with the rest of the guys. They're in voluntary workouts right now. Um, you know, they need everybody to buy in on this team, and that's going to be Mark Pope's biggest challenge. But uh, Matt Harms is certainly going to bring something to the table. 
Uh, and let's talk about, you know, his grad transfer compatriot, uh, who's a more recent ad, not as highly heralded, but I think may have the biggest impact on this team. And that's uh, UVU transfer uh, formerly before UVU at Oklahoma State, where he started his career. Uh, Brandon Averett, uh, small guard. Uh, I think he's listed at six at 5'11", maybe, but I think he's shorter than that. I think he's about 5'10", but really jitterbug quick. Uh, another guy who just plays super hard, can get up in guys with his quickness on the defensive end and just hound ball handlers on the perimeter. Uh, has the ability to get to the basket, get around guys with his ball handling, his quickness, get to the rim and finish in traffic for a guy who's his size, uh, particularly with floaters and stuff like that around the rim. And then also has shown the ability to knock down uh, shots from deep. I think, you know, from what I'm hearing from folks around the program, Brandon Averett is the guy who has shown up in voluntary workouts over the last few weeks since he committed to BYU and has been better than advertised. The guy has shown up and is just lighting the world on fire every day. And everybody that I've talked to is super impressed with him, super, uh, just super pleased that he's going to be in blue. And I just feel like he's going to be a guy. I assume that he's, we'll talk about this when we get to guards, but you know, he's probably going to be your starting one of your starting guards in the backcourt with Alex Barcelo. And it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to take to keep those two guys off the floor. I know BYU doesn't have a ton of guard depth, but um, he they're going to rely on Brandon Averett and Alex Barcelo to play a ton of minutes uh, and really carry this team from the guard line. Uh, what's your take on on Averett so far from what you've seen and what you're hearing, Robbie? Yeah, I think you hit hit it pretty much on the head, kind of what he brings to the game. I mean, just he's lightning quick i mean byu hasn't had a guard as quick as brandon averett in a long time i mean i think he hit like you said him and barcel are gonna they're really gonna be the two guys that do all the primary bar, ball handling and aver i think he's probably gonna be the main point guard um he's very different point guard than tj haas i mean tj haas is a guy i mean great three-point shooter very very creative tj was just so lethal on the pick and roll i think what's made teach set tj apart just with his decision making on the ball, like TJ, once he got in the pick and roll, he just he knew when to pull up for that mid range jumper. He knew when to dish it to Yoli. He knew when to kick it back out. He knew when to reset. So Brandon has incredible quickness, incredible first step. Very, you get on your face on defense. I'm just interested. It's going to be just that point guard position. And Mark Pope demands a lot from his point guards. Unfortunately, Brandon Averett has he had a he has a years under his belt in Mark Pope's system, albeit as a red shirt. Here goes. When he transferred to view, when he sat out, he played under Mark Pope's system for a year. So at least he does have a taste of his system. But I mean, that point guard position, and especially in Pope's system, there's so much expected of them. Um, I'm curious to see how that how they replace TJ's decision-making ability. Averett's a different point guard. He has a different skill set, does a lot of things better than TJ. But I'm just curious to see how his decision-making is. I mean, it's hard to replace the decision-making of TJ Haas. But I mean, athletically and skill-wise and experience-wise, I mean, he's played in the Big 12. He's played with Mark Pope. He has all the tools to be – I think he could be the leading scorer for BYU and probably maybe even the leading assist guy. I mean, he just has lots of tools he brings, which kind of leads me just think, Steve, like what the – what the kind of the rotation will look like next year. I think we both agreed the, the guard Averett and Barcelo will get the majority of the minutes in the backcourt. They'll probably both start, um, which I mean, not going to be a lot of length in that backcourt starting, but they're both very skilled. Um, I guess we'll start with the guards, but since we're talking about Averett and Barcelo, what do you kind of, what are you kind of thinking as like the, the depth looking like for the wings? I think, I, I think Barcelo and Averett will start back there, but I mean, there's, there's not a, there's a lot of bigs, but not quite as many guards and wings. I'm curious how they, kind of handled that rotation out there. 
Yeah, just thinking about those guard positions, those one-two positions. Um, you know, I think we Cougar fans are really going to have to cross their fingers, pray, whatever you prefer, uh, that Brandon Averett and Alex Barcelo stay healthy. Uh, they are two really, really good players. Alex Barcelo is, I, th- I think he's undersold. I feel like I- I've wandered around the the deep recesses of, of Cougar Nation online in the last couple of weeks, and I've found that there's people who think Alex Barcelo isn't a very good player or is overrated or is... Alex Barcelo is a great... I don't know where that comes from. Alex Barcelo is a great player. Alex Barcelo is going to be the face of this team. He is going to be the leader of this team. He is going to be the person that they look to and that they draw uh, everything from. It's already been the case so far this summer. Uh, I've heard, you know, from folks close to close to the team who've been kind of around for the workouts that Barcelo is taking that vocal leader role, which was kind of, you know, a vacuum was opened up when Yoli and TJ left and Jake. Um, they kind of played that role. And Barcelo has stepped into it and he's challenging guys and he's holding guys accountable and that's who he's going to be. And, you know, he's the, he's a senior and this is his last year. He, he, he deferred a lot last year to those guys. Uh, and he played, he was a team player and he's looking for this to be, you know, the year that this is his team. And I think he's going to step into that role. The dude shot 50% from three last year. He's a really good player. He's going to continue to be a really good player, really good defender, just solid on both sides of the ball. You pair him with Brandon Averitt and the experience and everything, and the, and everything that you talked about with Brandon Averitt. Um, that's a really dynamic backcourt. You want those guys on the floor as much as possible because they're really good, but also because, like you said, there's not a lot of depth uh, behind them. You kind of have some question marks. You have Jesse Wade, who hasn't played basketball competitively in several years now because he's been hurt, just a real mess of a knee injury. The the word on the street is that you know he's working his way back and it's feeling better, and the, the, as far as we know right now, the knee is feeling healthy. But even if it is fully healthy, coming back and playing Division One basketball after multiple seasons away, he's going to be slow. He's going to be a step slow, even if he's fully healthy. It's going to take him time to get back. He may never, you know, this is the sad reality of injuries. Who knows if he ever gets back to fully what he used to be. He was a great player in high school. Um, but we'll see. It's, it's a big question mark. And I hope, you know, I think we all hope that Jesse Wade is Jesse Wade again and that he can contribute. That would be really good for Mark Pope's team. They're going to need some depth there, but it's a big question mark. I think the thing, person that everybody's sleeping on is is Hunter Erickson. I know he's he ends up being, if you look at you know everybody online saying what they think their rotation is, Hunter Erickson always winds up being you know the 14th guy off the bench or whatever. Hunter Erickson is a great player. I've talked to folks who have watched these, these voluntary workouts who think that Hunter Erickson may be the best pure scorer on this team. And obviously he just got back from a mission and he's going to have to work back into shape and mission legs and all of that. But I think people are underselling Hunter Erickson. I think that Hunter Erickson could end up playing a rotation role on this team uh, simply because, A, he's really good. And I think as he works himself back into shape, hopefully you know he gets even better and is able to improve. But also... There's just not a lot of other guys. They're going to need ball handlers. And, you know, Averett and Barcelo have to sit. And, you know, God forbid that there's injuries at some point. Um, I think you're going to see Hunter Erickson get his number called. And I think in the future, he's the type of guy a few years down the road who could see who could lead BYU in scoring at some point. He's he's that good on the offensive end of the floor, super athletic. Um, but this year, it's going to be real interesting. You're going to I think you're going to see a lot of reliance on Alex Barcelo. Uh, and on Brandon Avery, and then they'll kind of figure it out as they go along behind those two guys. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they work. I, I agree on Erickson. I think, I mean, Trevor Nell, he comes back. He's not a ball handler. He's a pure, pure shooter. I think I think Erickson's going to overtake Nell in the lineup, whether it's day one or whether it's January once conference play rolls around. I think Erickson, I think he's a guy who'll crack the rotation this year. I think I could see him, honestly, he's with this. He's super athletic. Like you said, he's just got a knack for scoring. I think he's a guy by his junior year, he could lead BYU in scoring. I and mean, he's that type of talent. He's a guy that no one's kind of talked about. I mean, he went on a mission. He wasn't super highly like thought of. Not everyone talked about him when he signed a couple of years ago. When his mission came back, he's enrolled in summer term. Now people kind of quietly forgot about him. But he's him and Harding are really the only other two ball handlers behind um, behind Avery and Barcel. I mean, I think you could get Jesse Wade on there, but I I'm kind of I'll believe it when I see it about Jesse Wade about his recovery for his injury. He's he's going to walk on this year to create room. So BYU has the 13 scholarships available for everyone. But I think Erickson Erickson Harding are going to be the third, really the other two ball handlers. So I think those are really your guards. And I think when you kind of start to get into the weeds a little bit, not as much the wings, but really the bigs. But I think the wings will be interesting. I think Connor Harding is a guy that could play one through three. He's a guy he could guard the four spot in a pinch, as we saw him guarding Malik Fitz um, during the season. But I think right now, I think you probably have Avery and Barcel, the one or two. I mean, Pickett, I mean, those are pretty interchangeable. I think right now you probably got Connor Harding at the three. I think I... I think ideally you probably want Connor Harding at the two because he's six five, six six. Um, because just so you could have some more length in the lineup. I think just the way this team's built, the guys that are going to get minutes in the starting lineup. I think Connor Harding's probably going to get that three spot right now. And I, I'm super high on Connor Harding. I think he came a lot along last year, filled his role as a role guy. But I think he's a guy this year. And there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of bodies that he's going to that people are going to have to sort through to be the guy. But I think he's a guy that could be the next step to be like a six to seven point score. He's a guy that could be a 10 to 11 point score. He's a guy that shoots over 40%. He could get to the basket. He's got ball handling. He's versatile in defense. So I'm really excited to what he brings. And as we already touched on before, I think Caleb Lohner is the other guy at the three spot. Caleb Lohner's going to get a ton of minutes. I think one guy we've kind of forgot about is Gideon George. Uh, Gideon George, Juco transfer. Super cool story. Grew, uh, grew up in Nigeria. I'm very, I'm just lots of poverty. Just came, it went to junior college in New Mexico. And now he's on BYU. But I mean, that guy is that guy. That dude is long. Steve, he's six foot seven, seven foot one wingspan, very athletic. I mean, there's not a lot of tape at the JUCO JUCO level. But I mean, you don't usually bring you don't bring JUCO guys on to ride the bench. But I think it's just hard to see where he fits in. I mean, I honestly think there's like 13, 14 guys on this team that could see minutes. I mean, I th- last year's team, Giddy George would have played the four just because Bowie had a spot there. I don't think Bowie has many spots down low. So I think Gideon George is going to try to get minutes at that three spot. He's the guy we don't talk about, but at, I mean, we'll start getting to in the five. There's just lots of guys. So Gideon George, I love his athleticism. I mean, but I think honestly, we haven't seen him too much. So it's kind of hard to peg him in, but he's he's a wild card for me. I think he, with his athleticism, he could provide a lot. I just don't know where he fits in in this rotation. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that there's 14 guys on this team who think they're going to play big minutes. And I think, and they should think that. They should, they should expect that of themselves. Obviously, we all know, and I'm sure they everybody knows, there 14 guys are not going to play big minutes. There's not that many minutes in a basketball game. So somebody is going to lose out in the competition. There's going to be a huge competition. And, you know, this is 
this is a good problem to have for Coach Pope. Uh, you want the embarrassment of riches. You want guys to feel like they have to bring their best every day to earn their time on the court. Uh, and it's going to be a challenge, too. He's going to have to figure out how do you manage this from a personality perspective and manage guys' expectations and get them all to buy into the team concept, even if they're not playing exactly the role they might have envisioned for themselves in their heads. And so it'll be really interesting. This The log jam kind of starts around this 3-4 position, I think, like you, I'm very high on Connor Harding. I've heard very good things from about Connor Harding from you know people around the program. We've all seen what he's done. I think he's poised to kind of have step into a, a much bigger role than he's had in the past. Uh, the big problem with Connor Harding is he had knee surgery this offseason, and he's out for a couple months. He's not playing basketball right now. He's not going through individual workouts. Um, He's so he's out. We don't know how does that affect him when he gets to when we get to, you know, game time. Is he able to get back in time to work his way into shape? And is he going to be as effective as he could be? Obviously, he struggled with those knee problems most of last year, played with the brace on it. His mobility was limited. He needed to get that addressed. Um, and it's a good thing that he did. But, you know, I hope that he's able to, you know, shake off the rust, get back, feel fully healthy, feel fully confident in his knee uh, and be ready to play. Because I think he is going to be the starting three uh, at the beginning of the season. I think it's his spot to lose. Um, and there's going to be guys coming for his spot. I think, you know, Caleb Lohner, like you said, we've talked about him. There's no need to. I think he's going to play a role. Um, another guy who I know the coaches are very high on and they have experience with him from the past is Wyatt Lowell, um, who is a really interesting player in that he's 6'10 and a great shooter. Um, and so you're going to see him. I think they think he can play, you know, kind of two through five if they needed him to. I think they'd prefer to see him play two through four. Um, I think that the question, there's questions for all these guys. The question for Wyatt Lowell is he's his strengths are he's a great offensive player and he creates huge mismatches on the offensive end. He can shoot over anybody. He's a great shooter and he has the length and size to shoot over basically anybody who wants to guard him. And that's very, very valuable. His challenge, his 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 thing that he needs to address is can he guard a, a three? For example, can he stay in front of guys on the perimeter? That's never been his forte. I know he's worked really hard on it to try and kind of improve that. But, you know, until we see it in a game at a, you know, D1, upper D1 level, you know, we won't know. Can he stay in front? Uh, he does not a guy who likes to go down in the post and bang. Right. And so in order to play the type of role that he wants to play offensively and play the three or even the, the two, if in a, in a pinch, uh, he needs to be able to guard guys at those positions. And I think that's a big question for him. Another guy that I've heard great things about this summer and people are just saying look great so far, um, which we haven't mentioned, is Spencer Johnson, uh, transfer from Salt Lake Community College, uh, older brother of Isaac Johnson, who is a big time recruit committed to Oregon. He's out on a mission right now. Uh, just another guy who's got, you know, in the in that six, five range, really great shooter from the perimeter folks I've talked to said he's come in looking great this summer and looking to compete for a spot. I think you could see him trying to compete for some minutes. Um, but there's just, you know, there's just so many guys in these spots. You're going to see guys on the outside looking in. If I, if I were looking today and this could change, um, but if I were looking today and I'm Trevin Nell or Gideon George, I feel like I'm maybe right now on the outside looking in based on what I'm what I'm hearing from from these voluntary workouts. Um, but that can change. And that's the beauty of this team and having so many talented guys is is people are going to have to come and compete for their spot. You're going to have to bring the best that you have every single day to earn minutes on that floor. And I think that can be a challenge for Mark Pope, like I said, but I think it's also could be a really if he can harness it, 
could be a really, really cool and really powerful thing for this team uh, that really brings the best out of all these guys as long as he can get them buying, buying into the team concept, buying into, as he likes to say, the best locker room in America and keeping that uh, the way that it was last year because I think that, was, that, could, that connectedness and togetherness was certainly one of the big strengths uh, of that team. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens kind of at that three spot. I think the four spot, you know, some of those guys like Wyatt Lowell, he can get minutes down there. He's got the size. Caleb Lohner, like we talked about, he could get minutes at the four. Um, how do you see the four playing out? I think the guy we haven't mentioned there is is Gavin Baxter, who I think we expect to play to to play a big role at, at that spot as well. Yeah, I think Gavin Baxter is a little bit of a wild card too. I, his freshman year, I mean, he had his ups and downs, but at the end of the year, I mean, he got 25 points versus LMU. And last year, I think it was a struggle for him. Obviously, he missed the majority of the earth injury, but I think when he did come back, I think that Gonzaga game, he did make an impact. He finally, at the last game or two, he was starting to get his feet under him. I think it was hard for him to just really get back in the speed of basketball and get back in the speed, just learning the playbook. So it's Mark Pope, Mark Pope, it's not a super complex system, but I mean, there are definitely things about it you need to understand if you're not if you're on the sideline for five months when you're when your teammates are in the system you're going to lag behind so i think that hurt him but i think i mean he's healthy he's 100 percent now so i think if gavin baxter could be 100 percent, he's the guy you want starting at the four he's the most versatile defender on byu i mean he's six nine seven foot three wingspan he's the type of guy that, that he's the modern day big man he's the type of guy that could switch on ball screens and not only on a ball screen guard he could guard a guard for a little bit, but he could stick on that guard and guard him on the perimeter. So he's really the type of guy you want as, as your foreman, I think, just with the versatility he provides on defense. On offense, he's not a guy you need to drop many plays for. He's a guy that could get offensive rebounds. You could do lobs for, get putbacks. So if he's healthy, I mean, he's I mean, he's been inconsistent during his BYU career, but when he's been on, I mean, he's he's on. He's has NBA, he has NBA athleticism when he's on. So he's the type of guy I think you'd want starting at the four. I mean, the four, and, and there's a lot of big guys. I think, I think I'll, I'll kind of lump the fours and the fives together. I think Wyatt Lowe, like you said, he could, he's the good thing he's got going for him with his versatility. He could play the three spot, he could play the four spot. I think Matt Harms, I mean, Matt Harms is going to, he's going to start. I mean, you, you don't get Matt Harms over Kentucky and Texas Tech and tell him to sit on the bench. I think Matt Harms is going to start at the five spot. Um, I think Harms and Harward could play together in stretches. I'd just be really worried about pick and roll defense for them. I think Matt Harms could, I think he has some ability to guard on the pick and roll defense, but Matt Hart, Richard Harward, he's in, he's a bruiser. I mean, he's a guy. I mean, I love the compliment from Matt Harms and more of a finesse big man, really good shot blocker download to Richard Harward is honestly probably going to be the one, one of the most physical big men in the nation. I think Richard Harward, I mean, this back half of UU, he, he was the best big man in the WAC. I mean, obviously the WAC's not a top conference by any means, but his improvement at UVU, I think Richard Harward's a guy we've totally forgot about. And he honestly, he has all conference potential. Like he, he would have been BYU's, when Matt Mignoli was out, he would have been huge to compliment without Yoli. And then when Yoli is back, he would have been a huge compliment as, uh, alongside Yoli Childs. So I think Richard Harward, I, I don't think you could start him because that's just going to be tough defensively to, if you play him out alongside Matt Harms. I think just because they're probably the, they're the, maybe the two best big men, I think there will be stretches and BYU plays them together. Um, but I think, I think Harms probably starts at the five. My guess would be Lowell or Baxter at the four and then Harding at the three and then the two guards we talked about, the one and two spots. And then one guy I just don't is, is Colby Lee. I mean, Colby Lee, I think, surpassed all of our wildest expectations last year. I mean, he did 
everything that was asked of him. I mean, he he became a very f- efficient shooter on the basket. I mean, when he got that little Nikola Jokic type floater around, he'd make it. I mean, he was shooting over 60% from the floor. I just have a hard time seeing him. There's only so minutes to go around. I mean, you're not going to play. You don't want a 14-man. You don't want a 13-man rotation. I really think I think an 8 to 10-man rotation is ideal. Um, eight probably is closer to the end of the season. I think with this many guys, um, you're probably going to have a 10 man rotation because there's, there are 10 guys that could play meaningful division one minutes. I think there's more than 10 guys that could, but I think once you get over 10 guys to the rotation, it's just not effective. I mean, you don't want four different guys playing 15 minutes a game. I think you want to get guys, your top guys, at least 20, 25 minutes a game. So I mean, Colby Lee, I mean, there's probably gonna be injuries. He's going to have to play this year, but I mean, I just have a hard time seeing Colby Leaf in this lineup. I hate to say it because I think he provided great things, but I think I think Matt Harms, I think Harward, I think Baxter does. I mean, Baxter could provide a lot more. I think Wyatt Lowell all do more things than Colby Lee. I think, I think unfortunately, he could kind of be the odd man out. And they're likely, like I said, there'll probably be injuries. I just have a hard time seeing where he fits in. Yeah, and if you look at you know Pope's Pope's past years, previous to last year, last year was a weird year in that he had Yoli and Yoli ate up a lot of the big minutes. But in in Pope's past seasons, he's really operated with his bigs on a by-committee basis. There have been guys split in time. And I think you're going to see him return to that this year. Based on the conversations that I'm having with folks around the program, uh, it really right now, as it looks right now, the outlook is that there's really a three-man, big-man rotation between the three guys that you mentioned, Matt Harms, Richard Harward, and, and Gavin Baxter, with Baxter probably starting at the four, Harms at the five, and sp- kind of splitting a lot of that five spot with, with Richard Harward and Harms playing alongside him at the four at stretches. They're going to have to see, depending on matchups, if they can survive defensively, like you mentioned, uh, with Harms at the four and Harward at the five. Uh, I think, you know, Baxter, Baxter's a big wild card. Baxter has an advantage here because Gavin Baxter is the only guy on this roster really who is built to guard the four. Like the, the modern, uh, the modern D one power forward, Gavin Baxter is a prototype guy to guard that position. Uh, Matt Harms isn't, is, is really should probably be guarding fives. Richard Harwood should only be guarding fives. Colby Lee should only be guarding fives. Wyatt Loyal, Lowell, you know, like we said, we're not quite sure where he fits defensively. Uh, we, you know, that Gavin Baxter, if he does nothing else on the basketball court has everything he needs to guard the four. Now he need he has question marks just like everybody else on this roster can offensively, like you mentioned, can he, can he learn the place? Can he figure out the offense, which he couldn't last year? And that was it. You saw it on the floor. Um, can he figure things out uh, and how how he fits in the in the system offensively? Doesn't have to be an all star. Doesn't have to. They're not going to run plays for him. But you know, how can he be effective and play his role, his spot in that in that offense? Uh, can he do that? And on defense, can he handle the the pick and roll? Can he guard the pick and roll? If he can do those two things. He's going to play a lot of minutes because he is uniquely uh, uniquely positioned at that four spot. Um, I agree with you that Colby Lee is kind of right now, from what I'm hearing, he's he's the guy they're not quite sure how he fits in. And, you know, as with Biggs, you know, there's going to be fouls. Richard Harward particularly has had problems in his career to this point with foul trouble. Um, I had somebody tell me, you know, Richard, you expect from Big Rich, you expect you're going to get 20 minutes and he's going to in those 20 minutes, he's going to get his 4.7 fouls a game. Right. He's going (laughs) to get his five fouls a game. Um, And, you know, he's going to be big and he's physical and he's really, really good um, when if you can keep him on the floor. So there are going to be minutes that need to be eaten up uh, between 
hopefully not injuries, but, you know, planning for the eventuality of injuries and just, you know, guys getting into foul trouble. There's going to be, they're going to have fouls to give down there between these three guys. I think right now, from what I'm hearing, you know, Colby Lee is is maybe that third big. He's not the, at, the, at the five spot. He's not those first two. Um, and it's really on Colby to come in and work and, and, and take that and take that and put that chip on his shoulder and say, you know, this is my spot. I'm the guy who's been here, right? I'm the guy who played last year and was productive and proved everybody wrong and had a great year. This is my spot. And I'm not, and some, you have to take it from me. You're not going to, I'm not going to give it up. You have to take it from me. He's got to fight for that spot. And you know what? Colby Lee, I, I really like Colby Lee. I liked what he did last year. There's no reason he can't, he can't come in and say, you know, take this from me and 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 claim that spot. Uh, I think the the battle for those minutes at the five uh, are going to be really interesting because there's a lot of talent. There's really talented bigs. Some of it, I think, will hopefully be mitigated by by foul trouble here and there. Uh, but it's going to be, I think that is the position on this roster. We talked about the depth kind of up and down and, and the challenges, the opportunities and the challenges that that creates for Mark Pope. Uh, I think the five is the spot where that that challenge really crystallizes because there's three guys for one spot and uh just how do you how do you figure that out uh it'll be really interesting to see how mark pope and his staff uh staff play that out as the season goes along and it's ultimately like i said gonna gonna boil down to guys coming to play every day guys proving that they deserve those minutes that they deserve that spot uh and then you know it could change it could change throughout the year these are long seasons um, and, and it will just, it will just be kind of an adventure, a choose your own adventure, uh, that we're all, we all get to be along with and see how they kind of figure this out as the season goes along. Obviously it's only July. Uh, we have a few more months than until college basketball is scheduled to start. We don't know if it will start on time, uh, because of concerns with coronavirus. We don't really know what college sports generally is going to look like. Uh, once we get to the fall, it's still a ways off, but if you, let's just assume right now, Robbie, that there is going to be a college basketball season. Let's say that it's going to look, you know, roughly like we expect it to look in terms of schedule. It'll start roughly on time, maybe not with fans in the stands. Let's just assume for the case of this of this exercise, that there is going to be college basketball. What do you? How are you feeling now that the roster is locked? We know what this team looks like. What are you, what's kind of your your projection for this team? What do you see? What are you expecting? Uh, what's what are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? And and what is a reasonable expectation for fans uh, in terms of what this team can accomplish uh, with the roster that they have? Yeah, I think we've I think we've hit on a lot of the I think we've I mean we've talked a lot of the pauses on this team. I think there is a lot to be excited about. I think I think the depth is the first thing that sticks out to you. I mean, it would have been nice if one or two of these guys could have been on last year's team. Like if Richard Harder was eligible, even like a Gideon George type of guy would definitely would have got minutes on last year's team. So I mean, you definitely like the depth. I mean, it's great to have this great to have lots of guys that could play meaningful minutes and not you wouldn't expect to be a liability out there because I mean, you, there's going to be foul trouble. There's likely going to be injuries. There's going to be something. So you definitely having all those bodies um, is definitely a plus. I think the size is def- definitely a strength. Last year, it wasn't, wasn't that by any means. They were one of the smaller teams, I think, in the country last year. So I think having that size and a lot of size down low which is really nice. I mean, BYU's got I mean, Chris Burgess is a top flight assistant coach for coaching big bigs. Mark Pope's obviously he played in the NBA as a big man. So I think having that size down low, it's going to be a very different looking team, but a very good luxury to have. But I mean, there are things that concern me about this team. I think one of the top things that concerned me is, is really the lack of just like 
bucket getters and just alpha scorers. I think there's really talented offensive players. I think Brandon Averett's very talented. I mean, Wyatt Lowell's a very talented scorer. I mean, Alex Barcelo's talented. There's, there's talented offensive players, but you're really, I mean, you're losing all time players at BYU. I mean, Yoli Childs is a, probably a top 10 all time player at BYU. Jake Toulson was arguably the top best three point shooter in the country last year and a top, probably a top five three point shooter in BYU history. TJ Haas was an elite senior point guard. I mean, those guys were bucket getters. I mean, it's not just there's five, 10 seconds on the clock. Here's a guy you need to get to bucket, which those guys did. TJ Haas made two game winners. But just when when you really need a when you really need a bucket, like in the when you get to the eight minute stretch in the second half when things are kind of tight and you need maybe the defense is clapping down, you need a guy like, hey, the, this guy, you could throw it down to Yoli, you could put TJ in the pick and roll. You can isolate Jake Toulson on the block around the three-point line, and they're going to get a bucket. This team doesn't have that many. I mean, you're replacing – I mean, there's a lot of really good guys, but you're replacing all-time talents at BYU. And I just – when things are in crunch time and you really need a bucket, when things kind of get slow, when you're kind of falling behind, when you're in a lull, it's a late-game situation, who are you going to get the ball to? I just, There's just not as many bucket getters. I think there's guys that could. I think Brandon Averitt could really be that guy. I think other guys could. But, I mean, that's one thing until proven otherwise. That's one thing I want to watch about this team. And I think like, the chemistry, too. I think, I mean, guys love playing for Mark Pope. I mean, there's all these guys. None of them have transferred away. I mean, Mark Pope doesn't have guys transfer away from him. Guys want to play for Mark Pope and the staff. So, I mean, I would expect Mark Pope. He has a way of just dealing with guys, even if they're not going to get a lot of minutes. He has a way of just getting in guys' ears and just really buying in buying into the team philosophy. But, I mean, there's a lot of new faces and there's a lot of guys that are going to expect more minutes than they're probably going to get. So, I mean, that's one thing you have to look at. Like last year, which made BYU so good, I mean, it was, they had good talent, they had experience, but it was also the team bought in. I mean, I think the best locker room in America, I mean, coaches, it's coach speak, but I think there's a lot of truth to that. I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. I mean, it could be, but I mean, I have a lot of questions about how this team gels. So those are the two things that I'm worried about. Just like the lack of alpha and just bucket getters. Just, hey, I need to get a bucket here. And then just how is this team going to gel? I think there's a lot to answer. And as far as expectations, I I mean, I, I think I expect this team to make the NCAA tournament for sure. I don't think I expect it necessarily to be like a five or six seed, like maybe this year's team could have been. I think they're going to be the number two team in the WCC. I think St. Mary's takes a dip. Pepperdine's going to be really good. Maybe Gonzaga, they're probably going to be preseason number one. But I think this team's going to have battles with Gonzaga. They're going to be a fun team. Definitely, I think they're going to be an NCAA tournament team. But there's a lot to be excited. But I still have some reservations about this team. They have stuff to prove. Yeah, totally agree. I think those are two big kind of open questions. Um, and, you know, every team needs a guy who when you need a basket you get to that point in the game when the momentum is going against you things are getting tight we need somebody who can go get a bucket and create their own shot that we don't have mark pope does a really good job of running an offense that creates good looks for a bunch of different guys but sometimes when you get into these games they get more physical things get mucked up the free-flowing offense isn't as free-flowing as it used to be who can you throw the ball to and say go get us a bucket and like you said, there were three guys on that team last year, which is why they won so many close games, that and experience, that could go do that, right? You could throw the ball to Yoli on the block and he could he could overpower his man. You could put the ball in TJ's hands and let him take a guy off the dribble and make the right decision. You could put the ball in Jake's hands either on the block 
or you know setting him up to lull somebody to sleep and then put a put, uh, putting a step back three on him there's guys who could get buckets right you had no question that one of those three guys was going to meet the moment and we like you said we don't know who that is here i think there's talent like you said to do that alex barcelo has made big shots in his career a lot of time two game winners last year a lot of times those came off of somebody like tj haas making the right play and finding him open uh does that look different um as he adjusts to having the ball in his hand and being the man and playing that bigger role. Brandon Averett, I think one of his great abilities is he is a guy who can create his own shot with his quickness. Uh, he's not doesn't have the greatest size, so that sometimes can create a problem for smaller guys. Uh, if they put a longer defender on him, uh, that, that might create a problem. But he does, he has shown the ability to be able to create his own shot off the bounce. And I think that's super valuable. And I also think this is why a guy like Hunter Erickson is, is, has chances to see some real minutes. Not that he's necessarily going to be the guy you're throwing the ball to at the end of the game, but he can create his own shot. He has the ability off the bounce to create his own shot and get a look. And I think there's just not a lot of guys who we know at this point. Someone like Wyatt Lowell could also be this guy because of his mismatch, uh, the mismatches he can create because he's able to shoot over people. But I don't know, think we know who the guy is. We knew going into last year who the guys were going to be who could do that. We don't know that yet. I think there's a lot of potential, but I think the question is willing is still to be answered. I think the the concern about chemistry uh, is is very fair, and I think I've talked a lot about that already. And you know the opportunity, the dual opportunity and challenge that that presents for for Mark Pope and his staff. Staff. Um, and I think the other thing is, you know, this team, you see people online say, you know, composing like imaginary starting lineups where like, you know, everybody on the floor is six foot eight or taller, which you could conceivably do. Um, and this is I, almost certainly the tallest, longest team we've ever, maybe ever had at BYU. And I think that has a lot of interesting upside in terms of the versatility and can you put can you just overwhelm people with size and length and what can you do with that um but i think it does pose a real question of you know how does that work defensively do you have the guys and this gets back to the question we were having with Wyatt Lowell but i think it's bigger than Wyatt Lowell is do you have the guys who can who can guard on the perimeter um we know Connor Harding can we know that Alex Barcelo and Brandon Averett can but as you get down into that you know, three, four, five, the three, four spot, um, as we're getting more and more talented kind of larger wing types who are super athletic, good off the bounce and have size, you know, those are hard guys to guard. That was, that was the Connor Harding role last year, but also that was the Dalton Nixon role and the Zach Selyus role. Those, and those two guys are gone, right? It's just Connor Harding and we don't know how, we hope he's going to be back hundred percent healthy after his surgery, but you know, you you never can tell hundred percent until he's back. Um, who steps into that role? And this is where I was talking about Caleb Lohner. Um, that's a big part of that role. Can you guard the athletic swingman uh, on the other team? That big, that big athletic three uh, or that, that stretch four type. Um, and I think that's a big question. How does this team with all of their length, all of their size, how does it meet out at the end of the day defensively, um, which Mark Pope has prided himself on having good defensive teams. Everyone knows him for the offense, knows him for scoring a ton of points, shooting a ton of threes. And that is certainly, def you know, his defining characteristic as a coach in the national imagination to this point. Uh, but he is also th that team last year would not have been as good if they could not get stops 
and they got stops and they were a good defensive team. Maybe not the best defensive team in the last 15 years at BYU because there have been some good ones, regardless of, you know, whether people remember them or not. But they were a solid defensive team that guarded and took it seriously and were able to to compete on the defensive end. I think this team can do that. I don't know how you I don't know how the how you configure your lineups to get to that point. And I think that's going to be the journey that Mark Pope and his staff are going to go on. I think that's going to be a thing that's going to be interesting uh, for us to watch. And I think if they can figure these things out, I think those are the three big questions in my mind. If they can figure these things out and I, you know, have no reason to not be fully confident in Mark Pope and his team and his staff. um, I think this is a team that is, like you said, it's an NCAA tournament team. The talent is there for this to be an NCAA tournament team. The talent is there for this to be the second best team in the West Coast Conference. I think if they finish third, it will it will feel, I think, a little disappointing to a lot of folks, but we'll see how St. Mary's looks. And if they don't make the tournament, I think it will feel disappointing. There's, there's, there is hype for a reason. People have bought into Mark Pope. They've bought into what he's building with good reason. Had a great year last year. Um, inherited a lot from Coach Rose, obviously, but obviously took... That roster, which you know wasn't didn't really perform the year before, and and added somebody like Jake Toulson, added a few pieces like Alex Barcelo, and then took what was there and made it better, elevated uh, what was already there. He has an opportunity this year to have even more of his own guys in there. Um, it'll be really interesting. A lot of new faces, a lot of questions about chemistry and make and continuing this best locker room in America that they've had. Um, but if they do that, I think you can see them. I think they're they're I don't know if they're a second weekend team or not. We'll have to see them on the floor. I think the potential is there for them to get to the second weekend. I think they can definitely be a round of 32 team. But I'm, I think that, you know. I'm not going to say the sky is the limit because this isn't the University of Kentucky, but the pieces are there for this to be a team that can make a run in the tournament. Um, And it's just about Mark Pope and his staff putting the pieces together, taking all these wonderful jigsaw puzzle pieces and assembling the puzzle in a way that makes sense and that gets the most out of this this larger collection of very talented parts. And I think it's going to be really interesting uh, to watch them kind of figure that out and 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 go on that journey. Um, anything else for you, Robbie? Any other final thoughts as we as we close this thing down uh, in our off season review? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's nice to talk hoops right now. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. The BYU basketball is in a good place. I mean, Dave Rose, I, he's the best coach in BYU basketball history. But I mean, those last few years, it was you know, it was, it was a little bit rough. It was BYU wasn't. I, where we hope for, but I mean, so I mean, Mark Pope's and the staffs just reinvigorated, reinvigorated life into BYU basketball again. And it's just fun to, it's just really fun to see what Mark Pope is doing on the national stage. I mean, national media guys are talking about Mark Pope. They're really seeing what he's doing. I mean, he's relentless. I mean, it's, it's not just what he says. He really is relentless. I mean, he's working every day. And I think BYU basketball is only going to build build on from here i think every year he's going to continue adding pieces so hopefully steve we get a season this next year i'm really hoping man if we don't get football or basketball in i mean yeah it's going to be a rough fall winter but really hoping we do and um yeah there's just a lot to look forward to really excited a lot of good pieces to look forward to for next year's team yeah it's uh you know just one of those situations cross your cross your fingers say your prayers uh pay your fast offerings whatever you do uh please do it and and hope that you know our country can get this virus under control there's a way that we can we're mad. you know hopefully have sports i think yeah i hope everybody could i think everybody really wants us to be able to have sports again um but obviously you know we're not going to do it unless we can do it safely and we're not going to put these kids at, at risk uh in the process so you know 
know, I guess send good thoughts and, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot, like you said, a lot to be, a lot to be excited about, a lot to look forward to with good reason, uh, with what Mark Pope and his, and his staff are building. And I'm, I, for one, am really excited to, uh, to hopefully see it come to fruition this season. And I hope that, you know, all of you will join us as, uh, as we go on that, on that journey. We may not talk to you for a little bit, probably, you know, check back in closer to the season uh, as we as we know more and as things uh, get a little clearer. But it's been a pleasure, as always, to to chat with you all. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for uh, you know showing up to hear our off season thoughts. And uh, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you in a little bit in the fall. Uh, and until then, you know, stay safe, stay healthy, and go Cougars. <laughs> <laughs>